Hello and welcome to HipCast, the podcast here to improve hip fracture care. Today it's Hannah Seymour um, doing the interview. Um, so because I'm in Western Australia, the welcome to country is of the Wadjuk people of the Noongar Nation and we're privileged to live and work on their land. Today on the podcast, we have from the Hip Attack Trials, Principal Investigator Dr. Flavia Borges. Dr. Borges is an internist and assistant professor in the Department of Medicine and Perioperative Care at McMaster University. She's also an investigator at the Population Health Research Institute in Hamilton. And today we'll be sharing the findings of Hip Attack 1 and also talking um, about how that can impact hip fracture care and where we go next with Hip Attack 2. So, Dr. Borges, could you tell us a little bit more about your professional journey and role on the HIPAAC trials? Hi, Hannah. So, first of all, um, I would like to thank you for the opportunity uh, to be here and to share a little bit about uh, my experience uh, with these two trials, HIPAAC 1 and 2. It's been a great journey. So, telling about uh, myself firstly, uh, I'm originally from Brazil. Um, and I did all my training there in medicine and general internal medicine. Uh, and I also did my, my master's and my PhD in perioperative medicine back in Brazil. Um, and I decided to do further research uh, in perioperative care. And then I was searching um, big uh, groups of researchers abroad. And I came across Dr. Devereaux from McMaster University. Uh, that uh, reading through his publications, I was very interested uh, to get a deep dive um, in, in this area. So I moved to Hamilton uh, in 2015 uh, to do my post-doctorate uh, with Dr. Deborah. And I was very fortunate that at that time, um, him and Dr. Mohi Prandari from the orthopedic surgery at McMaster University, they joined efforts and they were starting uh, the HIPATEC-1 trial. Uh, and it was the biggest project of my thesis um, to work in this trial. And I'm very glad that we make it happen. And, and now we're moving ahead um, with HIPATEC-2. Thanks. Um, that sounds really interesting. And another time we could talk about the difference between Brazilian systems and Canadian systems. Um, Look, as, as a clinician who looks after hip fracture patients every day and sees people in pain, um, I understand the motivation behind hip attack and wanting to operate on patients as quickly as we can. But what was your motivation behind this trial? And can you briefly outline the study design for our listeners? So this is an interesting question because many of the research questions come from a real medical pain that we end up managing in our clinical practice. So specifically for a hip attack, it was a patient that Dr. Devro, as a cardiologist got involved uh, in the emergency room to clear a patient preoperatively for a hip fracture surgery. And she was an old, frail lady that came in with a low energy hip fracture and she had a troponin elevation with some ST changes in the ECG. Uh, she met the diagnosis for myocardial infarction, and then, as per clinical guidelines, uh, he proceeded to move her to the CCU unit for a better monitoring. She also ended up receiving volume, and she developed some heart failure, 
and went to the cath lab to do a percutaneous procedure and she received uh, a stent which required the antiplatelet therapy. So this patient ended up having a major bleeding after the cardiac procedure and unfortunately ended up um, dying even before performing the heat fracture surgery. So then Dr. Devers started questioning himself if the current standard approach of extensive medical optimization would be the best approach for those patients that need an urgent surgery for their hip fracture. And he moved to discuss with Dr. Mohit Prandari, that was the head of orthopedic surgery. And they decided to do a meta-analysis and systematic review on this topic. So they looked into all um, studies that compare early surgery with standard of care. And they identified that all data in the literature up until that time was based on observational data. There was no RCTs, no randomized controlled trials looking into the benefit of expedited surgery versus a standard of care. So then the idea came to perform a pilot RCT, which we, we published for the HIPATEC one pilot with 60 patients to see if it would be feasible to perform a very aggressive expedited surgery with the goal of six hours from the orthopedic diagnosis in the interventional arm, and then compare with the standard of care with the goal to decrease complications, mainly mortality after the hip fracture. So then the pilot study proved that it was actually feasible to perform the expedited care um, although it was a complex intervention that required multiple different specialties, but we managed in the pilot to achieve six hours um, of, um, from the surgery to, uh, sorry, from uh, the diagnosis to the surgery compared to 24 hours in the standard of care. So with the feasibility proven, then we move ahead uh, with the full uh, HIPATEC-1 trial. Okay. Um, hip fracture patients are really difficult to do research on because of their multi-complexity and lots of um, health problems. Which patients did you recruit for this study? Um, who was excluded and where did you, in the world did you do this study? So um, the, the inclusion criteria was very broad and we intend to be pragmatic. So basically patients, they were 44 five years or greater that presented to the emergency room with a low energy mechanism hip fracture. So mainly frailty fractures, most patients were falling from standing height um, and those patients required surgery. The main exclusion criteria uh, was patients that were on anticoagulants that was not possible to reverse the effect. If they had bilateral open or prosthetic uh, hip fractures, or if they had any other emergent condition that would require management before uh, the hip fracture. For example, if they present with a subdural hematoma that need to be drained, uh, then you would need to delay the hip fracture surgery. We conducted trial in 69 sites uh, in 17 countries um, around the globe. And um, we our population ended up to be the population we expected, 
meaning that most patients were women. I would say two thirds were women. That's uh, we know that's more common to have hip fracture in women. Um, they were older, like uh, average age in the trial was around 79 years old. And patients, they had lots of comorbidities. So two thirds had uh, hypertension, one third had diabetes. We had about 18% of patients were living uh, in a nursing home. Uh, and a third of them, they require assistant, uh, assistant with actives of daily living. So this reflects the, the population in the study. And also another important thing to add is that about 20% uh, of the patients presented uh, with dementia. That's also very common in hip fracture patients. So I, I think overall, the population included in the trial reflects the patients that we are seeing day to day in our clinical practice. Yeah, I agree with that. It reflects very much the Australia, New Zealand population as well. So what were the major findings of the study um, for this hip fracture group of patients? So our primary outcome um, was all-cause mortality and also a composite of perioperative major complications. And this composite included um, stroke, myocardial infarction, pneumonia, sepsis, major bleeding, and venous thromboembolism. And when we compared the patients that underwent uh, accelerated care versus patients that underwent the standard of care, overall in the trial population that we included 20, um, sorry, uh, 2,970 patients, there was no difference in all-cause mortality between the two groups. And also there was no difference um, in regards to the composite of major uh, complications. However, we look into several patient important secondary outcomes that I wanna highlight. Uh, one of them is delirium. That's a very important issue in frail patients with hip fractures. And it was very interesting that accelerated surgery reduced in 28% the risk of delirium in the first seven days after the fracture as compared to standard of care. We also identify a reduction in 20% in infections uh, comparing accelerated care with the standard of care group. And importantly, other outcomes such as moderate to severe pain after randomization, early mobility, standing and full weight bearing, and also a shorter length of hospital stay were identified when we compare accelerated surgery versus the standard of care. Great. I mean, I think I love HIPTAC. It helps me every day in discussions with our multidisciplinary team about um, what we do, what's the right thing to do for an individual in front of us. And we're still nowhere near six hours. It's unusual for us to get someone to theatre within that time. But even the next day, it helps in that discussion. So um, I think it's an incredibly important study in hip fracture patients. And I think many of us use this study every day to guide our discussions with our colleagues around what's the right thing to do. Um, so how do you think um, HIPATAC2 is going to guide that treatment even more? Yeah, so uh, I think one thing that's important to say, Hannah, is that uh, there's a strong biological rationale for us to um, believe that delaying surgery is not beneficial for those patients. 
So we know that those patients that are waiting for surgery, as you mentioned, they are in a lot of pain, they are lying down, they have immobilization, they have a state of inflammation, bleeding and hypercoagulation. And all of these consequences, um, they end up being clinical complications that may um, lead the patient to a pathway to premature death. So I think the results of the study are very important because the first question that we had is if accelerated surgery was actually feasible and safe. And when we look into HIPATEC results, definitely accelerated surgery is safe. There was no increase in any complication across the groups. As I mentioned, there was there were identified many benefits in terms of improving delirium, urinary tract infection, mobilization, and early hospital discharge. And even when we look into subgroups of patients presenting with acute medical conditions, we could not identify any harm. So if we offer for patients, if they would like to perform surgery as soon as possible, telling them that this procedure is safe to be performed earlier versus them waiting in the emergency room for one or two days to have their hip fixed, I think this is a very powerful information for patients and caregivers to make their decision. Agree completely. Um, it's still in lots of countries is not the culture. And um, I give talks around the world. And um, I think as many countries where this is not considered safe. So I think it is very powerful to have that evidence from a randomized trial. How do you think HIPTAC2 is going to, well, I guess the first question is, in, are there any aspects of the trial you would change again? And I guess you've got the opportunity to do that in the specifics of HIPATAC2. Yeah, so uh, in terms of aspects of HIPATAC1 trial that I would change um, if we do it again, um, is that actually when we were seeking uh, for um, quality sites to join the trial, one of our uh, feasibility criteria for sites to meet our standards was to have a standard of care that was around 24 and 48 hours. We wanted to have all the sites uh, with a similar standard of care. So it is possible that uh, our intervention would be beneficial if the standard of care is higher than 24 hours. So I would say that our findings actually, they inform the effect of six hour surgery versus 24 hour surgery. However, it does not preclude that different results in some centers where the standard of care is longer than that, those patients could have more benefit. So it's possible that if we compare accelerated surgery with you know, sites that usually do surgery within 48 hours, I believe we could have found um, a greater mortality benefit. However, uh, one thing that is very important to mention is that when we were exploring uh, what were the subgroups that would benefit most uh, from this intervention, we decided to look uh, into an analysis that reflects the index case that motivated the trial. So I mentioned that we had this patient with a hip fracture and with troponin elevation, meaning that she presented with myocardial injury. 
And we were debating if it was safe to delay her surgery, but we were not sure if it was safe to expedite her surgery. So we performed a subgroup analysis looking into patients that presented in the emergency room with troponin elevation. And we compare with patients that presented in the emergency room with no troponin elevation. And this subgroup analysis identify something very important. First of all, patients that present with a troponin elevation on hospital arrival, they are very high risk patients. So their mortality at 90 days is 24% compared to 8% in patients that present with no elevation. So they have three times higher mortality. However, when we look into the effect of our intervention, patients that presented um, in the emergency room with troponin elevation that underwent accelerated surgery, the mortality dropped to 10% at 90 days compared to 24% in the standard of care group. So the, the hazard ratio was 0.42 with a p-value for interaction is statistically significant, suggesting that in the subgroup analysis, patients that present with an acute myocardial injury, despite being very high risk, they benefit from expedited surgery. And the hypothesis is that those patients, they are not tolerating the stress of the hip fracture that's causing the inflammation, the hypercoagulability, the bleeding, and the stress state in the heart. And the sooner you do the surgery, this, the better for the patient in terms of preventing further events. So actually, this is why we move ahead with hip attack two with this hypothesis that um, an accelerated surgery would be superior to standard of care for patients with hip fractures and acute myocardial injury on hospital presentation. Uh, we believe that we need a larger trial to confirm this hypothesis. So HIPATEC2 is powered enough to answer this question. Thank you. And it'll be really interesting to see um, what that shows, but I think it um, it, it is, I guess a good food for thought that what most of the research seems to be saying is that the earlier that you operate on people, um, the better they'll do, despite their multitude of problems. Um, you mentioned the time for your standard of care group. Um, 24 hours is um, the best quartile of performing hospitals for their average length of stay in Australia and New Zealand across the registry. Um, so I think, you know, if we did this in Australia, even 24 hours um, would not be occurring for half our patients. Um, so I think it is a challenge around the world. What what interested me was how did you get sites to participate? Because lots of our sites would say this is too difficult to do and we can't possibly manage surgery within six hours for hip fracture. Well, I think this was the hardest part of the trial was actually to, to implement intervention. So uh, hip attack was a complex intervention in, in terms that we needed a lot of communication and collaboration among all stakeholders involved in hip fracture patients' care. So we had to organize a pathway in all sites where we would expedite care in the emergency room, meaning that those patients will be quickly identified and have their x-ray as soon as possible to confirm the hip fracture diagnosis. And then we would call uh, orthopedic surgery to confirm the diagnosis and this 
decide that that patient requires surgical treatment. And from there, uh, we need a lot of connections with anesthesia and also with the medical clearance team to clear the patient as soon as possible so the patient could be in the operating room within six hours from orthodiagnosis. So actually, the timelines that we work around in hip fracture um, care was since the orthodiagnosis. Um, and that was the timeline that was different between the two groups in six hours in the accelerated care group and 24 in the standard of care group. So um, this took a lot of uh, time to train uh, the teams. It was a very uh, interesting process because all the teams in internally could notice the big difference that for any type of patient's care, regardless if they are in a trial or not, communication and collaboration expedites care and increases their quality as well. So I think that was the way that uh, we managed to do in engaging the sites and having uh, champions from different specialties coming together to work in a common pathway for those patients. Thank you. And I think that's a really nice place to end the discussion, because for me, hip fracture care is one of the best examples across our organizations of how we have to work together to improve outcomes for our very vulnerable population. And um, I think that probably is a really good take home message for everyone. And I think those of us who are involved in hip fracture care know that that it really is a team sport. Um, and the question you asked earlier about um, anticoagulation, um, just a quick plug for the Fragility Fracture Network Global Congress in Melbourne, um, where there is going to be a workshop on that topic because it still is um, a thorny issue where we don't know the right answer. So thank you so much for giving up your time, Dr. Borges, and um, I hope you have a good sleep tonight. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thanks, Connor. It was my pleasure. And I would like just to finalise to thank also, all the patients that participated in the trial and Dr. Devro and Dr. Mohi Prandari that were the trial PIs uh, and all uh, investigators in each site because they dedicated a lot uh, to have this trial done. And I'm very grateful that we are um, all advancing medical knowledge in this needed area. Thank you. Good night. Good night.